Hey everybody, family, friends, welcome back. So much to talk about, so much is happening, so little time. Let's jump right in. All right, everybody, welcome back to Church Public. I'm glad that you joined us today. Hopefully your week is going okay. There's a lot going on in the world right now. The Democratic National Convention, the Republican National Convention, everybody running for president, and we are just trying to make sense of it all. What is going on in this world? What is going on in the church right now? Um, We are just trying to figure it out, trying to figure out what to do, trying to figure out how to live. Today, I want to talk about something um, that is uh, more controversial, maybe. We're just going to jump right in, and uh, I'll just go ahead and give a spoiler alert. I am pro-life. This one is probably going to get me in trouble, but this is how I view God. This is how I believe um, we are supposed to act. Every life is precious. God says in Jeremiah, He knew you in the womb before you were born. He planned things for your life. He set aside a hope and a future for you even before you were born. That tells me that God knew things ahead of time and that you had a place in life even before you were born. I think that's important to point out. Paul says in Ephesians, God created good works in advance for you to do. In advance. That means like before you were born. Um, shortly after Jesus was conceived, he met his cousin John, who was also in the womb. We hear in Luke one forty one that when the two mothers met, the baby in Elizabeth's womb was filled with the Spirit and jumped. Um, and then Elizabeth was also filled with the Spirit. There were things happening to the babies baby Jesus and baby John in their mother's wombs before they were born. There's clearly something going on here. I don't think it is a mistake that Luke points out Jesus before he was born had reactions. John before he was born had reactions. Jeremiah reminds us that you were planned before you were born in your mother's womb. And yet this culture keeps talking about rights. This culture talks about a woman's right to choose. This culture talks about reproductive rights. But we get lost in who has more rights. Um, Do you have more rights? Or does a woman have more rights? Or does a baby have more rights? And which right trumps other rights? And who um, decides which right is the best right? But what about responsibilities? I think it may be easier for us to understand some of this conversation in terms of responsibilities rather than in terms of rights, because we've already talked about many times that we're trying to get rid of God in this culture. And if you don't have a God, something outside of yourself to determine what is right and what is wrong, how do you determine who has the most right to a certain thing or not? Instead, let's talk about responsibilities, because I think it may be easier for us to agree on certain responsibilities. For instance, I think we'd all agree, a mother of a two-year-old should not leave that two-year-old at home and go party. In fact, there are laws against that, because I think everybody agrees. A two-year-old, and and I've had four two-year-olds now, a two-year-old will kill themselves and die and probably burn the house down if you leave them at home. Everybody knows this, and we all agree that The mother needs to take care of that two-year-old and not just leave it alone 
to do all these things. It would be ridiculous to think otherwise. And the neighbor of the mother, for instance, let's call him Jim. He can go to whatever party he wants. He has no responsibility to the baby at all because he's a neighbor. Presumably, he doesn't know, you know, the mother or the child in our situation here. Why would he have responsibility to the baby? It's not his baby. So we clearly know that there's some connection to a mother and to a baby, and there's responsibility. It's irrelevant whether the mother wanted the child or not. The mother has the responsibility to care for the child, or she may choose to give the child up for adoption to the thousands of parents who cannot have children in America and are waiting to adopt. There are other options here, and in terms of responsibilities, the mother has the responsibility for the child. And we all agree with that. And it's just irresponsible to think that doesn't extend into the womb. And as Christians, we have a responsibility to care for those that cannot care for themselves. James tells us in chapter one of his book that we have a responsibility for widows and orphans. So the church and believers should be stepping in in these situations as well to care for those that cannot care for themselves. That's what this verse talks about. It talks about caring for those. So we're supposed to have the heart of God. We're supposed to have the heart to care for those that are in bad circumstances um, and, and move into these places where we can help children. We can help mothers that are stuck in, in situations that they didn't uh, mean to get into maybe or can't get themselves out of. As I was watching the Republican National Convention this weekend, I noticed two main things that connect this church public, the church world, and the public world. First, I would say many of the speakers discussed the influence of God on their lives and on their professions and on the things of their lives. There were also many great prayers that were shared. Um, and second was this right to life, the right for a child to have a life and to not get killed was a huge theme. One of my favorite speakers was Sister Deirdre Brown. She is a doctor. She was an army surgeon for decades. So soldier, doctor, surgeon, and now she is a nun, an actual nun with a habit and everything. So as a doctor, as a soldier, as a nun in the service of God, she said, as a physician, I can say, this is a quote from her, as a physician, I can say unequivocally, life begins at conception. While what I have to say may be difficult for some to hear, I am saying it because I am not just pro-life, I am pro-eternal life. And I want us all to end up in heaven someday together. End quote. I love that statement, and I love it because I wholeheartedly agree with it, and I think it captures some of what we're missing in this conversation. We should be pro-life as followers of Jesus because every life matters. Every life was planned by God in advance and deserves the chance to be part of this world and this community. But not only does every unborn life matter, every born life matters. And we need to keep talking about that. We need to keep talking about eternal life. Life does not just matter because it exists in this world. In fact, it, it matters so much more so, eternally more so, because there is a life after this life. And as followers of Jesus, 
our main goal is to help people that are lost find the love of Jesus so that they can have this eternal life with God. Um, Sister Byrne goes on to say, quote, as followers of Christ, we are called to stand up for life against the politically correct and against the fashionable. We must fight against a legislative agenda that supports and even celebrates destroying life in the womb, end quote. This is not an easy task. Again, I probably will get hate mail for this, but that's fine because we have to, as believers, start saying the hard things. Over and over and over, Jesus, Paul, other apostles and writers said, this world is not going to love you. They are not going to agree with you. They are going to hate you. They are going to persecute you. As a church, I think we've had a fairly easy, wonderful run of several decades, maybe even longer, with not a lot of persecution in America. That time is slowing down. That time is ending. It may even be over. We are in a post-Christian world. We've been talking about that in the podcasts over the past several weeks. You can go back and listen. But as a church, we have to stand up regardless of the consequences personally or corporately, and we have to say the true things. We have to remind ourselves, we have to remind others that every life is really important from the beginning of conception, because life is given to us by God, and we need to live it. And the goal of our life, as Jesus has told us, is to love God. And the goal of our life, as Jesus has told us, is to love one another and show that love so that, as Jesus commanded us, we can go and make disciples telling people about the good news that this life, as broken and hurtful as it is, is not the end. And one day we will go to a place with God where there is no more tears, there are no more suffering, there is no more injustice. And it will be resolved in that place. And in the meantime, our job as followers of God is to help people understand that he gives us what we need in this place. He gives us the fruit of the Spirit. He gives us love and joy and peace. He gives us all we need to follow him and to tell others about him. It doesn't matter if you like the presidential candidates personally. I guess that's a controversial statement too. But we're not electing a savior. What we're electing is someone to protect those who cannot protect themselves. You need to make a decision on the issues. Killing those that cannot defend themselves is an incredibly terrible act that a follower of Jesus cannot agree with morally. And regardless of what you think personally, there is one candidate that has been more pro-life than probably any other president in recent history. And there's another candidate that openly argues for full-term abortion up until and maybe even after the point of conception. In the Republican National Convention, you also had Abby Johnson, an ex-employee of Planned Parenthood, who for many years um, worked with the organization in, in 
in a high level. And she left the organization to raise awareness of what an abortion really is and what it does. You can go online and watch her message if you want. I will warn you, it is graphic. It is hard to listen to, but it paints the actual picture of what it looks like to take the life of an unborn child. I believe God has planned and made every life special. In California, there are an average of 364 abortions per day. This is around one in four pregnancies. This is not the safe, legal, rare service the Democrats marketed. The Democrat Party platform states every woman should have access to quality reproductive health care services, including safe and legal abortion. And there's been a lot of talk about standing up for those that cannot stand up for themselves. And I cannot think of a group that has less voice than the unborn. At the convention, Sissy Graham Lynch, the granddaughter of Billy Graham, spoke about this as well. She said, Democrats tried to make faith organizations pay for abortion-inducing drugs. She's referring to a policy that Joe Biden wants to bring back. Joe Biden stated he will restore a previous policy, if elected, that mandates the organizations, including the Little Sisters of the Poor, again, more sisters, more nuns, have to give contraception to those that want it, which is morally opposed to their beliefs. They believe any form of contraception is immoral because it stops the will of God. Again, you can argue about that, but my point is that we have government leaders who are trying to enforce, mandate, make religious institutions cancel life. Um, we, we need to be careful with this. We have a First Amendment that is supposed to protect religious freedom. And many of these religious freedoms are going out the window. Some more quietly, some more loudly. But if we want to keep these religious freedoms, we need to take steps to keep these religious freedoms. Sissy Graham Lynch went on to say, quote, We know. The first line of the First Amendment protects our freedom of religion, but what we often forget, the actual words are free exercise of religion. That means living out our faith in our daily lives, our schools, at our jobs, and yes, even in the public square. Our founders did not envision a quiet, hidden faith. They fought to ensure that voices of faith were always welcomed, not silenced, not bullied, end quote. I love that, and I could not say that even better, so I wanted to quote it. Free exercise of religion. Free exercise of religion. That means we can live out our faith, and we've been relegated to only having faith in the church. We are not allowed to have faith in schools. That was removed. We are not allowed to have faith at work. That is not allowed. We are not allowed to have faith even outside in some places. And lately, through this pandemic, we've been not allowed in California to have faith in our church. It's been shut down. The faith that we have is not just a faith for an hour on Sunday. The faith that we have in Jesus is not just in our houses in private, 
the faith that we have should be the very core, the very center of our lives. If you were listening to Jesus and you were a Jew and he said, love God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength, you would know by what he said that he meant with everything that you have in every circumstance that you find yourself in, in every situation, every moment of every day. You would know that because that was the scripture that Jesus was quoting in Deuteronomy that reminded you that with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your being, with all your fiber, with all your moments, with all your seconds, with every minute of every day, you're supposed to love God, worship God, give God all that you have. And every good Jew would have known this. We Americans, maybe less educated in Hebrew culture, don't know that. But we need to know that. And not only do we need to know that, as Jesus has said, we need to act on that. It's not just having a faith, as James told us, the apostle, the disciple. It's doing what God says. If you just think it and you don't do anything, what kind of faith is that? That's what James tells us. You need to do what it says. We need to act on this. It's so important. There is not a better time than now to act on our faith, not just at church, not just in our home, at our work, in the public, wherever we go, whatever we do, whatever we say has to be surrounded, imbued, embodied in our faith in total. How are you going to do that today? How are you going to do that this week? It is time to stand up. It is time to say the hard things. It is time to do the hard things. This culture is broken. It is hurting. They're grieving. They're searching. We see that in cities across America where people are burning the cities to the ground because of all the pain that they're in. There have been numerous people, celebrities, politicians, activists that have called for burning down churches burning down statues of saints of previous generations. This is really hard, and it's a hard situation, but we have to understand that this pain has a solution, and the solution is in Jesus. The solution is the hope that we have. The solution is, as the followers of Christ, we need to show this love and get out there. And um, whether it is hurting that have no voice, like the unborn, whether it is the hurting that have a voice and are using their voice and sometimes using their voice and their actions in a way that destroys other things. This is, this is not good for us. This is not good for our society. We have to show the love. We have to be the church. We have to be the light in this broken and dark place. I pray that you are empowered in the spirit and the presence of, of Jesus in your life to use this time, just as we've read in Esther, that you use this time to speak truth, speak life in the middle of this darkness. We need all the believers to stand up and speak for truth, fight for truth, because who else is going to do it? I hope that this is encouraging. Uh, you can let me know in the comments. You can um, send me a message. You can go to churchpublic.com 
And uh, if, if you want to donate to this work, it takes time and effort to find these things, to figure this out. Um, you can go to churchpublic.com and there are some options there to support me and to support this work. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it if you subscribe um, to the podcast. I appreciate it if you rate it. Um, and I just really want to encourage you. This is a service that at the moment I'm doing for free because this is something that I think our world needs. And I think our world needs more voices like you to stand up and speak out, speak for truth, speak in love in the way of Jesus. So God bless and keep the faith. If you like this podcast, please rate and subscribe. You can check us out at churchpublic.com. You can go to Instagram or Twitter at churchpublic. Look forward to hearing from you. God bless.